Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. Ace Podcast. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. We're talking the future of racing games, recap week four in the NFL, why the Atari box does not have us feeling nostalgic, and what guilty pleasures are we having right now as we once again delve into... The Pop Culture Cosmos. Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today. It's another great week we've got here today. A lot of great things happening in the world of entertainment. And who is here to help me break it all down as he always is? It's the man, the myth, the legend. He is the emperor supreme of humanity media. It's Josh Peterson. What's up, my friend? Not much, man. Just uh, doing some editing, taking care of business, keeping the wheels rolling. Awesome, awesome. With all those projects in Humanica Media, and we'll cover exactly what those projects are later in the program and a lot of great information how you can get all of our great shows. So it's another great broadcast we have for you today. We've got director Rob McCallum of Nintendo Quest. He's standing by. We're going to chat a little bit about the Atari box. And we also have comedian Kevin Goatee. He is part of the show that's called the Comedians Watching Comedians I'll tell you what, it's available on Amazon Prime. Plus, he's got some great podcasts on Apple Podcasts. We're going to talk to him about uh, what his thoughts are on the movie scene. We're going to talk to him a little bit about what he is interested in going on in movies today. We're going to give him a little bit of a shout-out later on. Plus, also as well, Tyler Baker is back to recap week four in the NFL. But, Josh, this is a great week for racing fans on the Xbox One because Forza – Motorsport 7 does get released, but not without its controversy as far as a lot of microtransactions are coming along with it. I know a lot of people are very much in up in arms about that. Another game that you're paying $59.99 for that wants to get more money out of you and suck more money out of you, just like uh, recent editions NBA 2K18 and also as well the upcoming Middle Earth Shadows of War. That's also had a lot of flack for for proposing a microtransaction deal. But getting back into the game itself, what more is there to offer for simulation fans uh, that that enjoy the Forza Motorsport series that they can't get out of Project Cars 2 that just came out and also as well Gran Turismo Sport, which is coming out in two weeks? Okay, this is the thing. We're, we're talking about Gran Turismo and... Project Cars 2 right now as if they're actually competition for Forza. As far as I'm concerned, Forza is the dominant racing game on consoles. It has been ever since Forza 2 came out, and it 
it will continue to be as long as it has a yearly entry. It, I mean, it's the same thing you say about Madden. Like, it's, you know, what do they offer people that make them want to go back and buy it year after year? Yet people do go back. They buy it year after year after year. And, like, I personally, I love Forza. Like, I can play it. You know, it's a game I can I can sit there and I can play mindlessly, and it looks great, and it the cars handle really well. You don't have to worry about, uh, you know, back in the Gran Turismo 1 days where everything's spinning out and you have to do time trial and stuff like that and get licenses. And Forza, you just jump into the game and play it. There's nothing complicated about it. It's super simple. And we don't know, like, you know, Gran Turismo could be fun. Yeah, maybe it'll knock Forza off its pedestal this year, but it takes them, like, what, five, six years to come out with a Gran Turismo game? So I honestly don't think that Forza has anything to worry about as far as competition from them goes. I don't think there's much else that can be offered new in this realm except for maybe, like, a, a VR entry, but... It's just one of those games. Like, it doesn't have to keep improving because people still like to play it. It's just, it's a weird thing. I don't know why, but it, that's just how it is. Well, and the only reason why I say is because I think Project Cars 2, you're, you're actually giving a little bit of, of sh shade to because I think Project Cars 2 has performed strong critically. I think it is a very comparable game as far as the depth and as far as cars number of tracks and the whole experience itself what i'm reviewing as far as going on with project cars 2 i think it's probably more than a formidable competitor to forza motorsport 7. now mind you forza right now is the top brand in racing right now for video gamers so i will say right now that they're on top but who knows with the release of forza 7 there could be some burnout sorry for me to say burnout pun intended, and also as well some fatigue when it comes to this franchise. Could that be correct? Maybe, but I, I don't think so because it's it's a it's a guaranteed yearly game, whereas Project Cars and Gran Turismo, they, they don't come out that often. So maybe they'll be they'll knock Forza down this year, but you know, come next year maybe I don't due to the lack of other games to play, Forza will be back on top, is my prediction. Well, there you go. And uh, obviously, as someone who is a big Forza fan, it's hard for me to argue against that. But watch out, everyone. Project Cars 2 may be something that you're interested in if you're not into the Forza Motorsport series and you like the Forza Horizon series a little bit better or vice versa. And then also as well, don't forget Gran Turismo Sport. When that game comes out in two weeks on October the 17th, that's also something to be aware of, and let's see how that game actually does and how, how well it performs in comparison to the Forza experience. Josh and I got to see firsthand both Forza and also as well Gran Turismo Sport. We were very impressed by both, but definitely Forza should have the edge just because it's been out so frequently over the past few years. What are your thoughts on the Forza Motorsport series? Are you excited for this game to be coming out? Are you kind of leery because of the microtransactions that were announced? Are you excited to play something else besides Forza Motorsport series like a Project Cars 2 or a Gran Turismo Sport? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. 
Well, like I said, it's going to be a great show here today. We've got Rob McCallum lined up on deck and Kevin Goatee right thereafter. So it's going to be a great program, but we got to start, as always, on the Pop Culture Cosmos with our good friend Chad and Hyper Schmidt. This is about to win, and this is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Waiting just to see the light. When did this become a fight? Struggle just to fill my lungs with air. Finish line, the darkness running out of time. I'll do what it takes to get you Listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmos Show and the PCC Multiverse. 
I would say Rogue One has a more worn feel. And I love it for that, because it looks a lot like New Hope, where everything isn't shiny and plastic like the Star Trek films. We always talk about timelines and the franchises that we love. And now it's kind of like, okay, now we're going to do a Han story, now we're going to do Obi-Wan story. People do still like to go into movies and watch things that are different, watch things that are not related to superhero franchises. With him, you might get the Russell Westbrook thing. Kevin Durant leaves and he goes, I'm not going anywhere, this is my team, I'm lead up it for the long haul. If you're into like very strategic style games and the co-op games in general, it's a highly recommended game overall. And it's a sense of depth and personality that would escalate fighting games to a higher degree. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Every week on the Podcast Radio Network and Apple Podcasts. And over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options. And we're back with another wonderful edition of The Cosmic Crossfire. Once again, it's Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. I'm here along with my good friend. He is the director of Nintendo Quest, Missing Mom, and so many other documentaries, including Kitty, one on The Power of Grayskull, He-Man documentary, and so much more. Box art, my gosh, too numerous to mention. And then also as well, he works with Tiny Titan Studios. For $9.99 on Steam, you can get the awesome game Tiny Rails. Plus also, Tiny Rails is free to play, and Dash Quest is free to play on mobile as well. He is the man, the myth, the legend. It's Rob McCallum. Nice to be back, and I want to give a shout-out to everybody at Digital Dreams Entertainment as well. I've been working with them more recently, and they just launched Mutant Football League and uh, Early Access on Steam it's coming in October as far as as a full-fledged game. Uh, yes. Yeah, they believe that on, on PC and Steam it'll be released in full within about, about a month or so and on consoles right around Super Bowl time, so January, February. Truly great indeed to have you back on the Cosmic Crossfire. Just a lot of great pop culture topics to talk about, my friend. So have at it, my friend. What's on your mind when it comes to the world of pop culture? Well, this week, like uh, the last four or five weeks, there's there's been a, a big question as, as a through line, and I thought I would really surface it and make it explicit this week, and that's really looking at the value of something. So, and that's not always monetary. Sometimes it's the qualitative value, that impact that hits us, uh, and what it does to resonate in the topics uh, that I've kind of got really go back and forth around the pop culture spectrum. The first one, of course... Uh, you alluded to off the air before we started rolling. I didn't want to get into it too much. Is the new Atari Box console? You're already rolling your eyes now. That I, I don't, I'm not sure which fact or stat that you're rolling your eyes about. I don't know if it's that you get Atari games prepackaged on this box. I don't know if that you're rolling your eyes the fact that it's a Linux-based OS. I don't know if you're rolling your eyes over the wood grain features in terms of the actual physical construction. And I don't know if you're rolling your eyes over the 249 to 299 price point, or if you're rolling your eyes over the fact that they're launching on Indiegogo. Weigh in. What do you think? Why, why, why the eye rolls, Gerald? It's that dollar sign, man. I'm telling you. Uh, anybody who is trying to bring back re- retro 
And, you know, we saw this with the Sega flashback system and also as well, we've seen this with the NES and the Super NES mini systems. You have to keep that price point under $100 to make sure it's attractive to everyone. Yes, I know it's a Linux-based system and you can mod it and do a lot of different things with it once you get your hands on it, but most people will just want to play it for the flashback and retro reasons for for all the great Atari things that are going on, which I know when if we watch Blade Runner 2049 coming up in a few days, that you'll get those reminders that Atari is everywhere. But I just think that price range is just ghastly for something that just harkens back to an era where $250 was the price of the actual system back in the day. I just don't That know. I own, by the way. I will. The 2600? Yeah, yeah. I uh, I never had an Atari growing up. Uh, my uncle had it, and I got to play it when I would go visit his house. Jay, of course, had an Atari. First game I ever played was Spider-Man on the 2600. It's great. Um, I don't know that an Atari box with preloaded Atari games, even with HDMI out, has a value of $250 to me. Not when there's probably been so many flashback collections for GameCube or PlayStation 2 or PlayStation 3 and so on or being able to download a lot of the new games or even the face of like a lot of these uh, reimaginings of like Pac-Man Championship DX or Galaga DX and like these super HD versions of these classic games that now exist that are like like really fun experiences but are definitely not the Atari classics. So I just really don't know the value of you know, am I going to pay 250 bucks for a Linux-based OS that's going to require me to do a bunch of stuff under the hood? When I buy a box, I want to plug it in and enjoy it instantly, less headaches. Nintendo for so so long to get online was a massive headache, and everybody hated it. They finally seemed to have sort of figured out the online presence. It's a lot easier. You can plug it in. You can enjoy it now. Sony and Microsoft have always had that super simple easy step-by-step, get online, play your games, and enjoy it. I don't know if there's going to be an enjoyable kind of curve or an ease of entry to this Atari box. And I'm really questioning the value of a new console. Or is it just a PC in a different kind of box? Well, I'll tell you what. This is just so irritating to see that price point. It's just like, come on. And I'll tell you why. Last week, I saw a Xbox One with two games, including Destiny 2 and a second controller for $249.99 as a deal. Okay, and if, if so if you really want to go and play those flashback games, get that bundle, then go ahead and download the Atari flashback bundle or a Sega flashback bundle, which I believe are, are available on the Xbox One systems. It just makes absolutely no sense what they're doing. And and if you think it's the, the Linux operation that, that's going to be like a catch-all so that more new games will be ported onto it, do you really think there's going to be a lot of quality games that will be ported on that system that wouldn't be ported on to more profitable systems and, and that are more popular? Well, let me ask you this. What are they at? So we know that sometime this fall was the, the open-ended time frame that this is going to appear on Indiegogo, a crowdfunding platform, which we – Talked about crowdfunding last week. Has it hit a bubble? Is it stale? Is it ready to burst? Is it still going? What 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 does the Atari box have to do and show you on Indiegogo 
to get your 250 or 300 dollars first of all the fact that there's a price point difference is interesting when they're this close to launch is there like a special edition or like an autograph or a special colored edition or like the wood grain edition is one but a plastic version is another what do they have to do to earn your 250 dollars on their indiegogo campaign make it an arcade cabinet so you want an arcade cabinet to ship to you with an actual, you know, HDTV it could be just a 1080. I'm not a greedy man. <laughs> and so you then, want them to ship you controllers. That'll cost you 300 bucks for the arcade machine, but then it's going to be $1,200 shipping. Well, you know, like you asked me what would be be cool for, because there is really nothing that can justify making an Atari retro system $250 unless you're actually giving you the actual Atari code for each of those games itself. But they, even that doesn't make logistical sense. Well, here's I mean, the thing. You and I can go into Retro City Games right now. We can walk in, and what's one of the first displays that you see? One of the first... Point. Well, that's true. They, we'll see the awesome. By the way, you can get it on DVD and many other outlets. <laughs> and Blu-ray at NintendoQuest.com. Yes, yes. But besides the Nintendo Quest DVD display, there is also a display of dozens of Atari cartridges that they sell at a great price of five for ten dollars. It's true. So um, I, I think that I honestly think though, after reading a couple articles, that this is more than just some prepackaged Atari games. I think that's a given, but I think that there is more stuff that's coming on this. And I would really like to see them do something where okay, it's two hundred and fifty bucks. But it's kind of like a Netflix deal where they plan to have a bunch of content that's going to be on there. And it's more of a subscription that they offer you to get new games that have never been released, independent games that are coming exclusive to their box, maybe third-party games that are either on Steam, but now you can play them on the Atari box. In addition to, of course, the token Atari classics that you would expect to be on an Atari box. But I don't think for them to be successful that they can rely on just Atari classics. I think that has to represent like three to 5% of whatever their value proposition is. But they that's really what, have to come out of the gate. That's what makes me afraid because we, as we saw with the Sega flashback, if you take a look at it, or if you go to the retail stores where they're available, you walk in, you take a look at, back at it, the list of games that are, that are on that. A lot of those games that were added, those special games were just shovelware or were just basic games that were just throwaway and, and actually helped bring down the critical view of those uh, Sega flashback systems. I'm assuming that the Atari flashback system will do something similar to that with the, the Linux system. But unfortunately, instead of getting quality new games added to it it will be nothing more than basic retreads that were hastily made that's just filler that you get in the box well we don't know what we're getting and this is it we don't know what we're getting and in what kind if it's just the original resolution if it's an hd upgrade there's been several different sega and genesis flashback consoles throughout the years the most impressive version was the ones that would actually allow you to use genesis cartridges still Will the Atari box have a USB port to allow you to use your own Atari games? You know, that's going to be huge for collectors if, if, the, if that is the case, if it auto-up converts those Atari carts and lets you use uh, either a USB adapter to the controllers or not. That would be a massive kind of selling point. But I do think that they can only rely on 
uh, value if they're trying to capture the 26, 52, or 7,800 collectors markets. And I say that from a, a point of understanding the video game kind of community, knowing where those collectors lie. And I've been to a lot of different shows and the Atari market is nothing like the Nintendo market these I days. I agree with you. I agree with you. On um, that. It's very saturated. There's a ton of product out there and there is not a lot of fandom for it. It, it does not have like the Mario fan base or the Zelda fan base or any of these other franchises that really started at the Nintendo era and, and beyond. Sure. You have Pac-Man fans or asteroids you know, or asteroids whatnot. or like, you know, like I said, Spider-Man or, you know, any of these kind of like Yars revenge or something pitfall but, or anything like that. Yeah. But those aren't like, those are usually single games and you don't have a massive following. You don't have the franchises that kind of develop the way that they have and, you know, have gone on to propagate many titles across many different systems. So it's niche and the collector base that is really into it is getting older and older and older. I will tell you this as blade runner 2049, as I alluded to the logo gets more love than any of the games that's attached to it. That's true. And they still act as a publisher and a developer, Atari, depending on you know how you look at it. Like they put out a lot of mobile titles as, as a publisher. So they're depending still very active in the game. The yes, that's true. Yes. That's true. So I don't know if it's gonna work. I don't and this is the thing, right? Because it's just uh it's called the Atari box, is it somebody that's leveraging the Atari branding, like the Coleco Chameleon? That's unfortunately what this reminds me of a little bit, which was again on Indiegogo, tried to launch a Kickstarter, did not make it. Is this another Coleco Chameleon? We don't know. I don't know, and I, but I can't wait for the Commodore Cosmic Crossfire. <laughs> there you go, the Commodore Cosmic Crossfire. Not this round. No uh, C64 Crossfire Edition. Amiga, Amiga. All right, once again, that's director Rob McCallum. Rob, as always, we truly appreciate you being part of the Cosmic Crossfire. The cosmic croissant. And being part of the pop culture cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back with the show. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here again. And... My distinct pleasure to have on someone that is multifaceted within the realm of pop culture. He's a just an outstanding comedian. He's a director, a creator, a, a podcaster. He's so well-rounded. He's got a lot of great stuff going on. First off, you want to check out his site. That's Kevin Goo G O O T E E, even though it's pronounced differently. Dot com. You want to check out all the great things he's doing as far as upcoming appearances, plus also information on his great podcasts, like also the great podcasts he has, like Sportsbook 
Box Office Podcast, which is now available on iTunes. Also, as well, his awesome, awesome show that he has on Amazon. If you know, if, even if you don't have Amazon Prime, it's still definitely worth a great watch. Indeed, that's Comics Watching Comics for a great laugh and definitely a great show. Indeed, it is Kevin Goatee. How are you today? Thank you for having me. Appreciate that. I'm doing well. How about yourself, sir? I'm doing very well indeed. It's a great pleasure to have someone as uh, talented and multifaceted as as yourself on the show. And I want to ask you first about, obviously, as a fellow podcaster, I got a chance to hear your shows on iTunes, the Safe Word PC podcast, and the more current and up-to-date sportsbook box office podcast, but they're both definitely worth a great listen if you want a great laugh. Tell us right. more about the Sportsbook Box Office podcast and also the Safe Word PC podcast and why people should check it out on Apple Podcasts. Sportsbook Box Office podcast, my buddy Jeff Paul and I, he's another comic in Manhattan. Throughout the, I'm, I've known Jeff for as long as I've done comedy, it feels like, and we've always had a great rapport together. And we, we've always, we, we, we like to talk films, we love to talk sports, and we both love to dig in and battle each other when we feel the other person, you know, they're, you know, they have a horrible opinion. So we thought, Oh, what the hell let's make a, let's do a podcast. And so, like I said, the two things we talk about the most together are sports and films. I mean, I get it. How many other comics have a sports and or films podcast. So we decided to marry the two and uh, we do it every uh, other week at the Broadway comedy club in Manhattan. We told me for about an hour, for an hour, a little bit more, we bring in, uh, we mostly bring in comics. Uh, we had on the show actually Brandon Scott, who was the, the the reason the film Two for the Money was made. He's the guy who was uh, who, who's based on uh, McConaughey's character. That's that's him. That's McConaughey portraying him. Uh, our first episode was my favorite because we had none other than Lenny Dykstra on the show. Right when his book came out, and he was uh, right on right before he was on Stern. I don't know if you're a Stern fan or not, but he's really kind of taken over a lot of stern in the last year and change so and dykstra is a very familiar character within the realm of uh, new york i want to say now actually almost like pop culture in a sense after his playing days are done yeah he got tra- he, was, he played for the mets until about what, i think 90 and then he went to the phillies and finished his career there went on steroids and, uh, <laughs> and that was that Pretty much, and then yeah, a lot, yeah. Uh, his life seemed to go in a different direction from there. But that's a great uh, podcast, indeed, and definitely uh, something to look forward to if you're out there and check it out. Again, that's the Sportsbook Box Office Podcast. He also has the Safe Word PC Podcast, and that is available on Apple Podcasts. So you want to check it out there. Definitely a great time, indeed. As someone who is familiar with the movie industry, as you know, as you are, who's actually appeared within the movie realm as well, what are your thoughts on what's going on with the box office this year? What are some of the likes and some of the things that you're you're not happy with seeing as far as within the movie realm this year? Because I know, you know August was really a disappointing month for the box office, but September really has spiked things up. It has. What's what what? Uh, and that's a good question. What do I like and what don't I like? What don't I like is this. I have now started going to the movies around 10 or 11 in the morning on a Friday because I'm so sick and tired of the bored behavior that is displayed at the theater now. People won't shut up. People are on the cell phone. People are talking to themselves, just commenting, doing a a one-on-one show the theater. I'm just like, shut the F up. Like, no one wants to pay 15 bucks and hear this. It drives me nuts. So that's one thing that's going on with the theater. As for the reason the numbers are down, quite simple. Bad films. A lot of bad films. Even before, this summer had a few good ones. 
But last year, I can't remember a time where there was such a streak of awful, awful films. And I'm so glad that people aren't dropping 15 bucks for it. Maybe that's the reason, because, because of people who act like clowns in the theater. And also, hey, pirating is on the rise for a reason. That's probably a, a very good reason why. But I like to think that the quality being put out there is the problem. And I'll even go even further and say, let's stop with the reboots. Let's leave a good film as is. There is no need to reboot it. I did a joke before, like, why don't I take the crappy films and reboot those? If you ever saw the film Judge Dredd with Stallone, awful. They did reboot it, and they made it great. I love the, the film Dredd. It's a, it's a very solid hour and a half of just action, and it, it, it just worked. And I, I know it's and not Carl right. Urban, it looks like they're going to make a TV show out of it as well. They might, they might whiff on that one. I just say, you know what? You, got, you struck gold with the reboot, stick with that. I mean, again, how many reboots do well? Uh, the Batman trilogy, fine. The Star Trek ones, or, you know, the first, the first two were fine. The third one was crap. Uh, but nine times out of ten, they reboot a good film and it turns out terrible. To this day, I will never and forever see the Total Recall reboot, nor the Point Break reboot. Why? Because the originals were just fantastic. So, and again, it's just a, a, a crappy crop uh trotted out and again the summer is always that tent pole time of year and they're trotting out crap uh in august so it, it was just weak but you mentioned that september was a good one you're right uh i did go see it and the kingsman last week it is very very good the kingsman too not as good it's all right i had a, a lot of problems and i do a blog I, a movie review blog on my website as you mentioned kevingoatee.com where I uh, review films, I felt it was, uh, the, first of all, it dragged. Julianne Moore's character is a little much. And it, it was very propagandistic with the uh, drug users aren't really bad people. It's just jammed down your throat. Uh, I love the first Kingsman. The first Kingsman was exciting. I loved it, but not as much. And this, of course, is, or it will be known as the, uh, the doldrums until Thanksgiving when the good stuff gets started to get rolled out. So we've got another month and a half of crap before the, uh, the good stuff comes out. So exactly, you're, you're, I was just going to lead into that. Some of that good stuff is definitely coming on the way. Once again, right. we're talking to Kevin Goatee of Comics Watching Comics, and you can catch that today on Amazon. Great series of shows there, highlighting comedians, watching other comedians and rating exactly how they performed or whatnot or what they need to work on. And also some great one-liners in the, there themselves, not only from the judges, but the comedians themselves. So, so you mentioned that there's some great stuff coming up, and I agree with you. There is an even better fall than there definitely was uh, the previous August as far as how bad that was. But comparatively speaking, there's some great stuff coming up. What are you looking forward to this fall season? I'm really looking forward to Star Wars Episode 8. That's number one on the list. Looking very much forward to that. I can tell you just by seeing the previews, the two actors who will be nominated for Best Picture, and again, this is in a minute and a half trailer, will be Gary Oldman for the uh, role of Churchill. He's playing Churchill in a, in a film. Uh, I, I, you, you could just tell, yep, he'll be nominated. And there's another one coming out with Hugh Jackman where, we, where they tell the story of P.T. Barnum, the circus guy. That's got a Academy Award written all over it. I'll, I, I'll probably see both of those, maybe not for in the theater, uh, but for Netflix, but definitely Star Wars. And I'll tell you one that's going to come out in March to keep your eye for. Ready Player One. Do you know about this? I figure with all this stuff in the background, you got to be an 80s nerd like I am. Yeah, I am uh, to some extent as well. Uh, I did read the book actually this year, and, and Steven Spielberg 
having the chance to go ahead and make a film of this nature it's not going to be 100 by the book they are adding new characters within the realm as far as within a major part of it but also as well incorporating more familiar 90s and early 2000s icons in the mix as well as opposed to what the book did but i'm still highly encouraged by what i see and i get why that they're doing it to make it more palatable for a larger audience uh, that's obviously when you have the budget you, you have to consider things like that so definitely ready player one looks good as well one thing i wanted to ask you real quick on you were talking about some of the the favorites already as far as possibly being you know nominated already for academy awards what about a film like the disaster artist with james franco uh that's obviously uh, something that's trying to portray as far as the absurdity known as the i guess the infamous the room picture that was right. uh, filmed so many years ago well actually earlier this century i'll put it that way i have not seen the room that's on my netflix in my netflix queue uh this could be something i don't know if the appeal is going to reach the masses and i think it might be more of a critic's darling than uh, a success financially now at the award time maybe I've only seen one preview. I have to, again, I got to watch the room. Then I'll go see this, but I don't think it's going to have that mass broad appeal. But then again, look at films in the past, like Birdman and Whiplash only a couple of years ago. I mean, those were two indies right off the jump that were, uh, and, uh, the one I thought last year that was completely snubbed the best film of last year over the hands down that didn't even get a nod. The founder with Michael Keaton. I, I couldn't, I can't, I can't shut up about how great that was. And how yeah, I, could, I, I can't was. agree with you more on that. I think that Excellent. was a very solid performance. He carried that film to great heights. I can't believe it was snubbed. And I'm going to probably, I don't go out in the, on a limb and make a prediction that Dunkirk is going to come home with a lot of awards. I felt that film was highly overrated. I love Nolan. Jeff Paul and I on our podcast, as you mentioned before, Sportsbook Box on his podcast. Jeff Paul had the audacity, if you believe this, to tell me that Martin Scorsese is a better director in the last 20 years a better director than Nolan in the last 20 years. He's made two films, not even yeah. close. If you want to go over career for career, okay. Not even close, not even close, Scorsese. It's Scorsese by a country mile, but you can't tell me that in the last 20 years. No. I love The Wolf of Wall Street, very good. The Batman trilogy alone. You've got The Prestige, you've got, uh, I wasn't crazy about Insomnia, I hated Interstellar. I love Inception. Uh, Inception, yeah. And uh, I was love for a second there, I thought, I thought you were gonna you were gonna say transcendence, like no, no, not that one. But no, uh, no, no, yeah. But yeah, no one is fantastic. Uh, but this film is overrated. Uh, it's beautifully shot. Hans Zimmer is a master of the score. He'll he'll win for that, and rightfully so. He's a genius. Unfortunately, I think that it's going to clean up, and it's going to be his time to win an award I'll, again. Although I thought it was not that great of a film. Well, you, as you and I both have are, probably understand that it's a lot of it's about momentum, and Dunkirk has a lot of momentum. Even though it's a summer film, it has uh, right around that time. It will probably have a lot of momentum build up for it, and usually it just windfalls down the road. And as far as the disaster artist, I just wanted to say, uh, yeah, it's it may not be a box office hit, which may actually bode in its favor with voters, but voters are very, uh, you know, in the Hollywood industry, the room is, I get, from what I'm able to ascertain, is very infamous as far as that it's been watched, that it's been 
appreciated for all of its badness and and definitely uh, that they wanted to see this film work and if his performance is anywhere up to snuff he could see a nomination james franco for that just because his peers love the room for whatever reason so so much so uh just something throughout there but i definitely agree with you on dunkirk as far as being a film that may not be the best picture of the year, but may garner the best picture of the year award simply because it will have so much momentum during award season. Once again, that's Kevin Goatee. You got to check out the whole hub and where it all starts. And that's Kevin Goatee. That's Kevin, G-O-O-T-E-E.com. It has everything that's going on in his life, all of his upcoming dates, about his shows, about his programs, and about him and his views. You can check out there or on Facebook, even YouTube. You got to check out his YouTube channel. I saw some of his uh, stand-up stuff right there. So I'll tell you what, there's a lot of great things. He's a multifaceted individual, and for a great time, you'll never stop laughing when you watch or listen to all of his great stuff. Kevin, it's just been a pleasure having you on the program and here being part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. It was a blast talking. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you again. Appreciate it. And again, all the best to you and being part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. Hello, podcast fans. My name is Chris Jones, and I'm here to tell you about the Nerd Bliss Podcast. Now, of all the geek-oriented podcasts out there, we are definitely one of them. Yes, we talk about Star Trek and Star Wars and cosplay and Marvel and DC and the usual But as geeks, we embrace anyone with very specialized knowledge, like triathletes or improv comedians or musicians. So we try to bring them in and let them share their geekiness with you to help broaden some horizons. And maybe you'll learn something. Maybe we'll learn something. You can find our entire catalog at nerdlistpodcast.com on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play Music, Player FM. And we are now proud to be a part of the ESO Network. Once again, we are the Nerd Bliss Podcast. Thank you and Pod Bliss. And we're back with the program. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being with us today on the program. And it was tough. For moments, yeah, I know. It's tough indeed. I just want to make sure everybody knows that I wanted to take a moment of silence for my fantasy football team this weekend because they uh, were dead on arrival. But besides that, it was a great week four in the NFL, and who better to cover it with us than our good friend Tyler Baker of the Fantasy Football Patriot Podcast, which you can get today, each and every Tuesday, and also Saturday as well on Apple Podcasts, Libsyn, Overcast.fm, Player.fm. He's also got a great new site, ffpater.com, and his awesome Facebook group, Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. The list is growing, Tyler. I'm telling you. I'm going to take, you know, our whole segment is just going to be devoted to promoting your stuff. <laughs> I just want to help people get better at fantasy. And there should probably be a lot of moments of silence, a number of injuries today. 
probably the most significant Dalvin Cook, the star rookie running back that was for bad. the Minnesota Vikings. It looks like he has a torn ACL. He's out for the year. What uh, a shame. An MRI, yeah, an MRI is going to confirm that, but that's that's what everyone's saying. And even last week we were talking about with Case Keenum coming in that this is just a really good football team, and I think a big part of that was what Dalvin Cook was doing on the field. And wow, what a big blow. Also, the only running back that was really getting things going in Seattle, Chris Carson, just finished watching that game. It looks like he broke his leg. Now that isn't confirmed, but just they only showed the replay once, but it it looked like, I, I mean, you, you could almost see it snap. And so the rookie that was really coming on and really being a bright spot in such a dismal offense, it uh, looks like he's out for the year too. Well, there he car. hurt his back. They said he's going to be okay for next game, but you know how that process is over the course of the week. Mm-hmm. Something could act up or whatnot. So obviously fantasy football well, fans get in touch with you and keep in touch with what you, you know, you're sure. reporting just to make sure he's going to be okay. Yeah. My Tuesday podcast will touch on all of these things. It looked like I was watching the game. It looked like uh, that he just caught it. I would guess it's a bruised vertebrae. Jack Del Rio after the game said it was back spasms, which just sounds like a contusion that wouldn't go away. So I think it's bruised. The hit wasn't that bad. There, It didn't seem like the back was twisting at the time. So I think it's just he just caught a knee in the back. Also, uh, Marcus Mariota, quarterback for the Tennessee Titans, he hurt his hamstring. He's going to need an MRI. That could be a very big blow to this offense. Tennessee's offense pretty much revolves around what Mariota can do, and his backup would be Matt Castle. So there was a lot going on today that just a lot of these teams are in really bad spots right now, and they're going to be scrambling next week to kind of figure out how they're going to cope with some of these losses. Well, Matt Castle made a lot of money being Tom Brady's backup. Who knows? This might be the (laughs) chance that he can get again, because once he was out on his own, he didn't quite fare so well. Not quite. Uh, I mean, he's a capable backup. He's been in the league. He's a veteran. He just does not have anywhere near their skill set. Mariota can beat you with his legs. He can beat you with his arm. I don't know if Matt Castle can beat you either one of those ways. I think that they're definitely going to they're gonna rely on that sm- exotic smash mouth that they have going on with Derrick Henry and uh, DeMarco Murray. So you might see a lot more running in the next couple weeks until we find out what's going on with Mariota. Well, enough of the doldrums, including two. Exactly. I uh, didn't oh, want me man. to start off on a on a downer yeah. note for everybody, but I wanted to get everybody up to date, including all the stuff you know that went on with with my team. But we won't talk yeah. about that too much. But yeah. again, it's Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. Get it today on Apple Podcasts, Lipson, and I'll tell you what. There's got to be a lot of great performances out there. In fact, I know one in Houston that mm. left everybody impressed. Yes. Deshaun Watson. Now, I haven't watched the game film, and I will tell you, I've heard this before where a rookie has a big performance, and suddenly everybody all over CNN is talking about he's the greatest thing that has ever happened to the game of football. I'm not going to jump on that bandwagon just yet. Again, I haven't watched the game film, but what I have seen from him so far this season, you see a lot of really good, and then you also see a lot of bad. So I'm going to assume that this was a game where just the good came out. Again, I haven't watched it yet, but he put up great numbers. Uh, Houston scored 57 points. And that is certainly something you like to see against Tennessee. Man, that's something you really like to see in a rookie. And especially a franchise 
that hails from a city that had so has been going through so much in the, in the last month for there to be a nice bright spot because when they first came into the season oh man it, it was looking really bad and for them to kind of turn the corner and i'm sure right now in the in the city of houston things are being rebuilt and things are happening and for this to happen it's definitely a feel a feel good story uh definitely indeed what other things did you see or what other things stood out to you as far as week four in the NFL? Well, the Miami Dolphins might be a bad football team. I mean, they might actually be terrible. That that new Jay Cutler smell has kind of faded. <laughs> Jay, Jay Ajay, what, what a great homecoming for him, not. Uh, you know, um, I'm still very much a believer in the player. It's just right now that offense can't do anything. They are just not getting it done there against a bad defense that we kind of mocked <laughs> early in the week. You and I said that if I was playing fullback and you were halfback, we could get 100 yards on the Saints. Well, I, I don't think the Saints defense has improved much. I just think this offense really needs to figure out what the heck is going on. We did see Le'Veon Bell got back to Le'Veon Bell's status this week. He put up a pretty good stat line. We did see a couple of uh, young running backs kind of bloom in New York. Well, both New York teams had uh, some young running backs that got a little bit of a chance to play, and both of them do, did, did pretty well. And I'll talk about those guys on my waiver show. So there were, there were definitely some good games, and there were some great performances, but unfortunately I think a lot of it was just overshadowed by a couple of really good players that uh, you, just, you just hate to see them go down. It was just a very tough week in the NFL. Definitely that's uh, something to go by right there. It's a little sneak peek, but you also check out his waiver wire special that's every Tuesday. It's going to be on the Fantasy Football Pater podcast. Check out his site, ffpater.com. And also as well, if you have questions for him, a great place to go is the Facebook group, Fantasy Football Pater Podcast, and you can ask those questions directly. And you're going to get a lot of feedback from him on should you do this trade? Should I pick up this guy on waivers? What lineup should I make? All those questions get answered by him and his staff there. And plus, a lot of people weigh in with their thoughts as well. So it's a great place to crowdsource to get that answer for your lineup starting this Thursday and obviously this coming weekend. So it's definitely Great information indeed. If you're a fantasy football junkie out there, you have got to try the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast Facebook group, ffpater.com. And of course, on Apple Podcasts and Libsyn, it's Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. Tyler, can't wait to talk uh, some more NFL and some more fantasy with you this coming weekend. Hopefully, it'll be a better, much better, much, much better. <laughs> Much better. It can't get worse, right? <laughs> yeah, it can't get worse. But let's hope it'll be a much better conversation this coming weekend. I, I hope so. It was always great talking to you. Thank you. Great talking to you as well. And I truly appreciate, as always, you being part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. 2017 is a pinnacle year for Rob McCallum Films. Coming off the heels of the internationally acclaimed and award-winning documentary, Missing Mom, we're in the final stages to release Kitty, Origins and Evolutions. Check out this heavy metal biopic that explores the ups and downs of rock and roll for the women in Kitty who blazed a trail in the music industry in the face of unthinkable adversity. Kitty, Origins and Evolutions releases this year from Rob McCallum Films. 2017 is the year to set your future on fire.
And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos to close out the program. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today. If for some reason you cannot catch us on the Podcast Radio Network or Josh's programming on the Podcast Radio Network, Attack of the Humanicans, every Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, there's always a great way to get a hold of our shows or the PCC Multiverse every Friday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. You can download the Pop Culture Cosmos shows at any point in time on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel, including Apple Podcasts, of course. You've also got the Ace Podcast Network. Tune in, Overcast.fm, Player.fm, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Podcast.com, Mixcloud, the ESO Network, the Tangiband Network, Gunna Geek Network, Cast Crunch, social podcasts and popculturecosmos.wordpress.com and remember we always throw in bonus stuff for you at the end of the show for those who download the podcast just for listening and i wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without checking in with what's going on with humanica media so josh what is going on with all the great things at humanica media uh new inside sports this week new super bs coming this week that's it. I mean, besides the Tuesday show. And then this weekend, we'll be recording another episode of What About This? So I mean, stay tuned to sink your teeth into that. Plus, also as well, you've got the Attack of the Humanican show every Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Podcast Radio Network. Check it out, indeed. All of his great stuff, Humanican Media on YouTube, Podbean, and Podcast.com. And also, of course, Apple Podcasts. So, Josh... Got to close out the show. We, we haven't done this in a long time. It was one of our first few episodes that we did this. But what are some guilty pleasures or actually just one guilty pleasure that you enjoy when it comes to pop culture currently right now that maybe not a lot of people would like or maybe that's not getting that critical favoriting that maybe would would have people shy away from it? Something that you like that maybe it's not the greatest thing that you're proud of. Oh, geez, that's tough. Currently, in pop culture, what is my guilty pleasure? I'd have to say that I I watch a lot of indie flicks that are uh, about people falling in love with each other. Like, not not like your average, like, chick flick type movie, but it's, like, indie flicks, like, about artists and, like, relationships and stuff. I don't ever, like, tell people I watch those kind of movies, but... You know, like I watched Dimitri Martin's movie, uh, I forget what it's called, but it was about you know him being a, uh, a book illustrator and he meets this girl in LA and you know, it, it, was, it was good, but it, it's just like I, I write stuff, so I just like to see how other people are doing it. And that's kind of, you know, I, I, every once in a while I'll get caught up in the story. But um, yeah, I mean, that's as far as my guilty pleasures go, that's as, that's, that's as bad as it gets for me right now. Are you, is that Dean? Yeah, it's Dean. Yeah, that it's. Uh, I, I'm not going to say that I liked it. I didn't really like it, but it was. It had some clever things in it. So like I, I watch these movies because I like to see how these writers approach relationships in a way that haven't been done in like big budget, you know, romance films. So it kind of helps, kind of helps my mind a little bit. But um, you know, every once in a while, I'll, I'll find a gem on there. Go ahead, ask me. Oh, hey. What is your guilty pleasure, Gerald? Oh, gee, thanks for asking, Josh. I'll tell you what. 
I cannot believe I'm going to say this, and I cannot believe I'm going to be saying this out in public, but I'm kind of starting to maybe, possibly, could be getting into the Orville. Yeah. Um, oh, oh yeah, no. I know, I know, I know. Um, I've seen all the episodes, and I actually am interested to see more. I can't even believe I'm saying this. This is definitely a guilty pleasure because the the show itself, uh, writing-wise, is not good. The show itself, on a satirical level, is not good. I, I can't explain to people why I like the show. Uh, I, you know, I'm looking at it from a critical standpoint. I probably would give it most most of the episodes either a two or a two and a half stars out of five on our star system to give you an idea, but uh, it's just, I, I can't explain why I keep coming back week after week after week to watch the show. I'm intrigued by the character relationships, even though a lot of what they say is, is half-baked, corny, and contrived, but it's a guilty pleasure. I, I cannot ex explain why I like it. It's just, I can't, it's not definitely not good, uh, but you know, Seth MacFarlane might have a, a decent hit on his hands. It's done okay in the ratings. It's held up somewhat strong since it's premiered, you know, in a different time slot right after football. You obviously got that bump, but since then, it's actually been doing not too shabby on Thursday nights. Our friends at the TV Ratings Guide said right now it's a most likely renewal as of right now. So uh, I don't know. I, I have a question I, I, for you. I have a question for you. Believe me, I have a question for myself after I say that. How much of so you said it comes on right after football? How much of the viewership is just because either people haven't turned the channel yet, or because they're still buzzed or drunk from watching football with their buddies, so they just wanted to sit around and watch something? Well, I'm sure the it was very high when it came on in the first two weeks because the first two weeks it did come right after football. And the ratings for it were were pretty high, but when it got moved over to Thursday, and to be placed right after Gotham, it actually outperforms Gotham as far as the number of viewers seeing it right now. So it's got a 1.1, which equates to almost three million an episode. So to me, that that's actually it's very good. It's not winning its time slot, but it's it's very close to doing so. So. It's it's performing admirably, and I, I like I said, I, if you watch the show, I, I cannot blame you for not liking it. I cannot blame you for thinking it's trash. It's very hard to ascertain why this show is endearing itself to me and that I want to continue watching it week after week. And you know what? Our network, the Podcast Radio Network, has not only one but two podcasts dedicated to it. And there is a following for it, and that's great to see. And it's nice to see sci-fi get some love, even though it's the show itself doesn't know whether it's a satire or a you know straight serious uh, dramatical uh, show. You know, I know they said the word dramedy, but it's neither a good drama or a good comedy. So I can't figure out which it is that it's really good at. So, but it, I keep watching and I keep coming back to it week after week. So. That's my my guilty pleasure as of right now. I'm sure over the next year. Except okay. everyone just listen to that. It's got to keep it a secret. Keep it on the down low, my friend. Hey, 
I could be watching some indie flicks about some people that fall in love, but we won't go there. Know, it could always be worse. What would be even worse if it was an indie flick about people falling in love on a spaceship that may or may not be a drama or a comedy. Exactly. That's probably where they fall in love. What are your guilty pleasures out there when it comes to pop culture on TV, video games, films, what have you? You can ask us to keep it anonymous and we'll be glad to do it. We'd love to hear your thoughts and share them on the air, at least what they are. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, GameSource, and Facebook on Twitter as well. Well, again, I want to thank Kevin Goatee, Rob McCallum, and also as well, Tyler Baker for stopping by on today's program. Again, check us out on Fridays. We're going to preview Blade Runner 2049. Oh, my gosh. The reviews are already started. They are amazing indeed. Yahoo and, and other outlets are calling it one of the greatest sci-fi flicks of all time. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait to see it. Oh, my goodness. You know, I know you're excited to see it too, right? Yeah, no, I'm excited. They're, the headlines have been all over the internet this week. I guess critics got to see it early. And... Uh... They're like calling it the perfect movie. So I just, I don't like that kind of standard to expect in a movie because I'm going to have super high expectations now and I'm, I'm scared that I'm not, that's not going to meet them. Sounds like it's definitely worth the wait. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos as a special treat. We're adding a bonus episode, which starts right now. So sit back and relax as you enjoy more awesome goodness from the Pop Culture Cosmos family. And stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. All right, welcome to What About This, episode 11. Today we are talking about risk and calling. Um, Ryan has uh, some news that he's sharing with um, people for the first time. He is, um, and I'll save that for him, but we it, it centers around this idea of risk and vocation and the nature of calling, right? What, what does it mean to be called somewhere? What, what is calling? And when we do that, the risk of doing big things and, and what that means for us and why we're afraid to, to sort of step out and do things. So we talk about how calling is wrapped up into our idea of purpose, who we are as people, what we what we think we are, um, and, and how it's also not just internal but external, what other people think about us, um, and the fear of failure. And we get into sort of some of our specific callings and some of the things that we've we've gone through. Um, how sometimes we just don't have we don't feel like we have the time or we don't want to put in the time. Um, uh, I don't want to put in the work of the craft, developing the craft. Um, also talk about how calling is not just a singular thing in our life. It's a plural thing. We have callings, different roles, of different things of, of what it means. I think we talk about how the ultimate calling is what is it, what is it to be human, a calling to be human, um, and, and realizing that, that we all have right 
right, the right to have a calling and the right to pursue a calling um, and discovering who we are. And we talk about how that influences um, our world, influences our identity, and influences other people around us. So um, we're excited for this episode. Um, as always, if you have any comments or, or if you have any, uh, if you want to rate us on iTunes, um, you can do that or, or um, follow us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. And if you have any questions, sort of shoot us something and we'll get back to you. Um, all right. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Brank here from Super BS, talking about the things you know you love and the things you'd love to know. Join us weekly for a podcast about video games. Mostly. Oh, yeah. Uh, welcome to this episode of What About This? Um, today we are we are having a um, a pretty special episode. Um, we are going to have to say goodbye to one of our own, at least for now. Goodbye to one of our own, Ryan. Ryan has had an interesting last couple of months, and he is going to be talking to us about that process. And then he is going to ask a couple of questions of us as we um, as we sort of talk through what he's what he's sort of transitioning into and. Um, uh, and sort of the things that go along with, with that. So, Ryan, why don't you sort of kick us off with what's been going on? Yeah, so it's been a, a big few months for me. I was with my brother um, a while back. We were hanging out at the pool, and um, we're, we're both pastors. And um, we got a, a phone call um, with a, an opportunity to go plant a church and start from uh, the ground up in a, a town that we um, have never lived in before and um, just kind of head out into a, a brand new season and see if we can make something happen. So I am uh, actually going to go plant a church in Austin, Texas, mm. which um, if that sounds random, it's because it is. Um, but we had our choice of, of anywhere and um, Austin um, has just felt right. We spent um, a lot of time there the last few months and um, love the town and everything that, that we've seen about it so far. Um, and so this is the, the hard part for me, right? Because um, we, um, I, well, I've been in California for the last five years and um, have a, a, a great job at a great church and um, great friends, and then you guys as well. Um, and uh, it's been this just like amazing roller coaster for me, um, but it's time um, to, to pack up and, and go on to the next thing. Um, and that is um, exciting, but, but very scary. Um, and so I thought it would be good for my, my last episode to, to talk about this a, a little bit. Um, in, in my kind of tribe, um, we use a word called calling a lot. Um, and it's this idea um, for me that um, there are certain things that, that we are put on this earth to do and that life is about trying to figure out what those things are. And then when we feel that call, um, having the courage to, to step up and, and go for it. Um, but what, what we've always been passionate uh, about with this podcast, if you guys haven't figured this out yet, is we take all of the things that are going on in our lives and we just put them on the examination table 
right? And, and we ask questions. And we do that because we're, we're not afraid of the truth, and we're not afraid of figuring out um, what really is true. Um, and so I thought that would be good for us to do with calling today, um, because uh, this is this is this is who we are. We actually do this like every day, just as friends. And then every once in a while, we hit record and we we turn it into a podcast. Um, but it's just turned into a, a good exercise for us. And so um, when it comes to to calling, I guess there's a lot of questions, right? There are um, always a lot of things going on underneath the surface uh, of calling, like like fear and um, insecurity, or um, maybe. You hear somebody saying they're they're following a calling, and you go, "Oh, really? That sounds like you're really going to be roughing it over there, right?" Or they've got this like great opportunity, this this cushy job, or um, <clears throat> I, don't, I don't know, this like really fun, exciting, adventurous thing. Um, and, and so I think it would be good to to talk a little bit about what is calling, um, what even is that word, um, and then talk a little bit about risk and um, doing big things with your life, with our lives. Um, because this life is short. Um, and so before all of that, um, it's been so good, guys. Uh, I'm, I'm going to miss this. This is, you guys are kind of like my therapist. You just help me uh, walk through all of these things. Um, and so it's been incredible. Um, but we got work to do today. So um, what are your guys' thoughts on calling, on risks, and on trying to do follow um, the, the path that we feel like um, God or ourselves or whoever is, is laying out for us. Mm. So you're sure you don't want to just do an episode where we just like reminisce <laughs> and talk about good good old days? A clip episode. We <laughs> could play like Good Riddance by Green Day. In the <laughs> yeah, uh, Vitamin C Graduation. Yes. Um, um. No, you know, it's funny because I was just thinking about this the other day in terms of calling, yeah, but more of like things you want to like step out and do. Because I feel like everybody, no matter what you are doing right now, there is something, and maybe it's not even going to be this like life-altering thing where it's like, I was doing this job, and now I'm going to move across the country and do this job. But I think everybody has that thing where you're like, man, I've always wanted to do like this. or like, um, And I, the best way that I've heard it said was, um, was that if there's something you want to do and like you are scared to try it, uh, or scared to get started, and they say, "What?" And they said, "What's the worst that, that could happen?" Because you're already—I'm <laughs> trying to like think of the best way they said you're already as as not doing it as you could be right now. <laughs> like, like yeah. you couldn't be further away from doing it than you are in this moment. And so, if you try it and it doesn't work out, worst case scenario, you'll just be where you are yeah. right now, which yeah. is still not doing it. But along with that, you'll also have you also potentially have a question answered of like, is it possible? Yeah, yeah, it's good. So, so then why, why? Because I, I agree with you. And I think intuitively we would all hear that, Kyle, and go, well, yeah, obviously. So then the question is, well, well then why do we get so scared of change? And why do we get so scared to, to step in to these things? Because the reality is, and, and myself included, it's a scary thing. And I think it keeps a, a lot of, of people um, from from doing things, and so what is that fear? Um, and I don't know. Maybe if we could identify what that is first, that would that would be helpful. What it, I, I was thinking about, obviously, we're talking about calling, and like you said, in the circles we run, you hear the word calling a lot, and and people being so certain about their calling or uncertain about their calling, mm-hmm. and so 
when we get into that, I think that's where the fear comes. Mm-hmm. So I heard um, guy Pete Rollins say that there's two things that we we want as humans is satisfaction and certainty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as you go to pursue something, to Kyle's point, is <clears throat> all this fear sets in. You're like, well, what if I can't do it? Yeah. So a lot of times I only try things, I only attempt things that I know I'm going to succeed at because I'm certain about it. But what if I'm going to fail? Well, you'll you'll be certain then that you suck at it. <laughs> so mm-hmm. Or you'll be certain that that's not your calling. And I think a little bit we give too much... Um, we give too much power to calling. And so, or at least the way we think about it. Um, and, and so, I don't know, maybe if we flesh out, maybe we help to flesh out calling or the way people are thinking about calling before we even address it. Right. Let's go to our I, coming I, to I, terms expert, Keith, yes. to get a definition Thank of the you, word Keith. calling. If you really, I mean, <laughs> it's funny, right before this, we started, um, I actually did look it up. Mm. I knew, <laughs> of course. knew you did. We <laughs> knew you did. Um, I didn't do a lot of research on it, but it does come from the Latin vocare, which we also get the R word vocation from. Mm. Um, and we'll talk about how that gets wrapped up into vocation and calling becomes a thing we do. Um, and I think particularly in our world, I think the reason why calling, so it literally means just to call. It's just a, it's a vocal thing, right? So that's what the word originally means. So it's this calling that's been placed on your life. It's you are being, and, and again, in our circles, it's, it's typically we use the phrase like it's God calling you. It's this voice that's calling you yeah. out of the desert, out of the darkness or into a different season, right? Yeah. But I think one of the reasons why it gets so wrapped up and so fearful is that, um, especially in our world, what you do is who you are. And so the fear is not simply like, will I fail at it? But in failing at it, what does that say about me as a person? Mm-hmm. And I think the failure, the reason why failure for us is so uh, fearful, so, so fraught with, with this sense of like, I don't know if this is going to work, is because if I go out and I do this thing and it fails, not just the thing fails, I fail. And then you have to come back to your community and say like, well, I was a failure. And they're like, well, then who are you? You know what I mean? I think there's, it's a deeper question than just like, will this thing succeed? It's more like, well, will I succeed? So when we talk about calling, we're talking about the attachment that it has to our, our identity. Right. Our purpose. And so therefore that, that begins to question, should I do that? Because if I go and fail and I can't, I do not want to fail. I want to succeed. If I don't succeed, I fail. Therefore I am a failure versus, and this is where I like to go with it. And I think me and Ryan have been talking about this for three years is, learning or figuring out what what you're most effective in or the things that you're most effective at and pursue those things and along the way you will probably come across things that try it to find out what you shouldn't be doing right and this kind of i think even i always say uh, there's people that are born kindergarten teachers right Mm. you know it's like you're like yes and they can do something else but i think there's people that can't be kindergarten teachers i can can testify to that firsthand yeah Yeah. me too i subbed a kindergarten class one time and it was the craziest experiment not experiment that didn't happen what did you do (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna want another take on that one um it was the craziest experience yeah. I've ever had. And I knew within about 20 minutes, this isn't me. I'm, I'm not supposed to be here. Right yeah. Now. And yeah. So, yeah. In that, so in that, you go, okay, cool. Uh, you are not a failure. Mm-hmm. You are not. A, right. And you probably aren't called to be a kindergarten teacher. Um, and so this is kind of why I get, I get more interested in the way in which we think about calling, what's yeah. going on implicitly, yeah. like how we view it mm-hmm. and how much 
focus we give or power we give to it because I have to find this perfect thing because if I don't find this perfect thing, or we also maybe even expect our calling to fulfill us in this way yeah. where it's like, man, you're giving, again, way too much power to this thing to give you all of your happiness, mm-hmm. all of your fulfillment. And I yeah. think that the thing that you're quote unquote called to um, is actually a a byproduct of, or if you will, will marry who you are. So it's an expression of who you are. Right. That's great. So, so uh, Kyle's pursuing teaching. Mm-hmm. And, and so as you pursue teaching, you go, well, I, I know, I, and I've seen, I could tell you're going to be a good teacher, um, but you would be a terrible kindergarten teacher. Yeah. So what, right. wh- where should you teach? At what level? At what, you know, what, mm-hmm. what subject even? So if you go to teach math, you're all right at math. I could do like middle school math. Yeah. <laughs> and so so that would actually, that therein lies going, well, that's not who you are. You're not wired to yeah. teach math. Right. Yeah. Like in the right. same way, right. I think like it could be like in the same way you can't teach kindergarten would be the same way if a school was like, hey, we have an opening for like a physics teacher. Yeah. yeah. I can't teach physics. Yeah. And so well, like, and so a yeah. lot of times people don't see like working with young children. It's actually like the same thing. It's mm-hmm. like, that's yeah. also not you. And I, yeah. I think there's, so one of uh, a comedian, Mitch Hedberg had a great joke on this. He's like, as a comedian, he always, they, he's always asked to like write scripts for movies or he was. He's not with us anymore. Um, and he said, that's like saying to a chef, yeah, you can cook, but can you farm? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, because right. I learned how to sh- I learned how to cook. It's a different yeah. Craft. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah. like there's a sense that. Well, that's good done getting into craft. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah, that, I mean, if, yeah, that's part of it. But this idea of calling is, it is part of your, it, there's a purpose for every, everybody has a purpose. Right. And I think part of the fear is discovering your purpose. And there's, because. The idea is if you don't discover your purpose, then you're purposeless, which yeah. I don't think any of us fundamentally believe any person is doesn't have a purpose. Right. Yeah. So it's like, I think, to Travis, almost to your point, there is this process of just like going out there it's and good. taking risk and trying it's things. Good. Just, I mean, just trying things to see where you fit, where you fit in. What is your, your yes. calling there? So then following a calling, um, in, in my situation right now, what I'm not saying is I am called to go plant this specific church in this specific city, and if I'm not in Austin and I'm not doing X, Y, and Z, then I've completely missed it. But rather what I'm saying is, man, I really love being a pastor, mm-hmm. and I really love the idea of, of being in new places and meeting new people and, and helping people um, and walking along with them and shepherding them, and this just happens to be another great fit, mm-hmm. kind of like the next great fit for me. And so maybe calling is much less about the exact details and much more about the, um, the, the giftings yeah. and the craft and the things that, that you're passionate about, right? Yeah. And go. go I, think, I think one of the big things, it's funny because this is going to be two episodes in a row now where I start harping on this. Time is a right. huge is a huge factor not only and I think I think for two two reasons that we can that we can touch on like the time aspect number one is because we don't want to we we find that or we think that we are a failure if this new aspiration that we have does not click right away mm. in that like like basically I want, I really like, I feel like I'm called to doing this thing. And like, if it's not booming in like the first month, we're like, ah, maybe, you know, I shouldn't have done it. 
And then along with that, the thing that I think I feel more with going into teaching was as I was considering whether or not I wanted to go back into teaching, it was after I had already done the several years of ministry. And I was a little, to be honest, I was a little bit frustrated with myself because it's one of those where, you know, it's like, oh man, like, but I've already like started putting all these years into, into ministry. And now like, I'm, I'm very frustrated with how much time I've wasted because I was originally going to go into teaching and then I changed and was like, well, maybe I want to do ministry. And so then now being in ministry and then realizing I wanted to go into teaching, it's one of those, like, I've already started putting a lot of eggs in this basket. And so now like for me, like, and it's funny because I think like at this age, like I'm only 27, like to switch over, like that's so frustrating. I could have been teaching this whole time. But I think, but yeah. what what I've had the conversation I've had with several people is that I think I needed to do ministry to realize yep. that mm-hmm. teaching was actually what I really wanted to do. Yeah. But and, and so and you and I have had long conversations about all that. Is <clears throat> there's an, that other element I think in there that was a part of that decision was will this satisfy me to no end. And so you went you went through the ministry mm-hmm. to figure out you did really want you because uh, initially like day one I met you like I want to be a teacher. Right. And then it was like, but wait, maybe what if teaching won't fulfill me? Right. And so I think your yeah. calling will mm-hmm. fulfill you to a degree, mm-hmm. but then there comes in the risk and you go, dang like that's a lot. That's a lot. I'm putting like I'm I'm putting yeah. all my chips yeah. there. And so in hindsight, you go, man, I should have just stuck with teaching. And you yeah. go, but you kind mm-hmm. of didn't, for whatever reason, right? You didn't know, but you also were really good at ministry and you enjoyed it. Right. And but and, and it wasn't there was so there was also elements within that that you will find in the classroom. And so, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, it goes, uh, but that avenue seems to f- you seem to fit that probably better you're more passionate about it you're more excited mm-hmm. about that mm-hmm. and i do think that is an element because i don't i i personally don't buy buy it that uh, you will be miserable in your calling right i well, don't i don't buy that i think you'll have miserable seasons well, i think you'll question and I, doubt I, it. I think it would have been the opposite too that if i had directly gone into teaching i think i would have always wondered about ministry and right i wonder now. if that's just and, a byproduct of well, you of who you're because on that way is like right. uh, someone told me uh this advice was stick st- Find something and stick with it, man. Just go for it. And you're like, I really love that advice. The other side of it is who's helping me pull out of me who right. I am right. so that yeah. I can go instead of pursuing something that yeah. doesn't, and, it does not fit uh, with me. And I don't want to be the same person 10 years from now that I am today. Right. Well, sure. Right. Well, what about yeah. like, or what about like the steps along with it too? Right. Like we're like, I'm already like invested into this career or this goal or things like that. And that is like, I'm feeling like really called to this thing over there. But that's gonna like I gotta go back to school or like all these things, and so we think like no, nah, I'm not gonna do it. I th- I think there's something else going on that gets into this idea of risk and why we are so averse to it or we kind of avoid it, and it goes back to Travis what you were saying was this idea that I think we we have this idea of calling, um, and I think we're we we think once I find my calling, everything should be good uh-huh. from there. Yeah, right. Yeah. We should never struggle. It should be yeah. easy. Kyle, to your point about time, it shouldn't be yeah. like it shouldn't take right away, um, and and all this stuff. And so it's like, and I think, and, and I've been one of the fortunate ones in, in that I've known what I've wanted to do, and I've, I've it's lined up with my talents, it's lined up with my passion, and it's lined up 
thankfully with opportunities of being a teacher since I was 14, mm. which is, I know it's the exception. Like I, I know that that doesn't happen. So mm. I've known my calling since that long. But when I started teaching at 23, I, it wasn't until 28 that I felt like I was in any way adequate to step in a classroom. And That's would, five years. And would you say yeah. even within this calling, right. you've had you've had to make decisions on like location right. and things yeah. like that. And so a yeah. lot of that stuff comes into it and it's still, and there are still days I don't want to do it and mm. I love teaching and I'll get up and I'm like, I don't want to do it today. That's per, that, So, right. so you, what you're saying to me reminds me of a relationship. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you're like, oh man, this is going to just, right. I found her or right. you know, I found him and, you, and they go, mm-hmm. they, they go, this is it. I'm going to be happy. Yeah. And then you go, oh, it's week two. Yeah. And you're like, I wanted to go play ball with the boys, but we're spending time. Right. But you're like, wait, I love spending time right. with you. Like, I can't wait to hang out with you. Mm-hmm. I like you. And you're like, oh, but like, it's okay for LeBron not to want to go to practice or more fitting Allen Iverson. Right. You go, you, go, <laughs> you, yeah. you love this game, yeah. but all of a sudden... He does, he's like, I don't want to go to practice. And, and you're like, yeah. So, so to both of these points, and I think this is where we really need to go, I think that we put too much pressure on calling. Mm. Yeah. I think that we are asking calling to, to fix mm-hmm. a giant hole in our hearts that it just can't right. fix. It's on the way to doing that, but it, it doesn't. And the reason I know that is because I know I'm going to get to Austin. I'm going to get going, and it's going to be fun and exciting and new. And then it's not. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna hit, you're gonna hit a, a hurdle, or you're going right. to something's gonna bump up against the hype. Your, your fantasy. Yeah. The hype is gonna wear off, or it's gonna be like <coughs> like a slow start. Slow start, whatever. Right. All sorts of different things that are gonna have to happen, and I'm gonna have have to come face to face with the reality that although yes, I feel like I'm supposed to be doing this, right. doing this alone is not going to complete this whatever no. this contentment that I'm that right. I'm looking for, mm. right? And so I think that. Well, we, we talk to people all the time and it seems like a common denominator is like, well, <laughs> yeah, I want you to know what you're, what you're on this earth to do and what right. your calling is, but you got to know like that's not going to fix everything. And so no. maybe our calling is just to be humans, right? Mm-hmm. Our, our calling is to, to take one day at yeah. a time and, and um, interact with everybody that we come into contact with and, and love and help and be generous and go. And along the way, we're going to do lots of different things, but those things aren't the things that are going to, yeah. to bring us that. So, so then, say, oh. so then is, it, is it we're giving too, giving too much power and meaning to calling, or I don't think we have to back off from actually giving it the power that it's supposed to. I don't know what it says, is I think we have a wrong perspective on right. it. And if we and if we can if we can kind of boil it down to this what it is, then we can actually expect it to do what it is meant to do. And and, and I, I think we need to start realizing that calling like I said at the beginning, like when I said earlier, it's like that this specific type of calling has been attached to vocation, to job, to action, to making a living, right? Mm-hmm. But I think we need to realize that that we don't have a calling on our life. We have callings. Yeah, I would agree with you. Yeah. So I have a job. Yeah, I'm a husband. I'm going to be a father. Hey, uh, I'm a son. I'm a brother. Soon. I'm Pretty a friend. Soon, right? yeah. yeah, yeah. Like she's 35 today. 35 weeks. So you're a great, yeah. you're a great host of a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I'm saying like each one of these are different. So I think if we can think of callings instead of like the end of the, something the as end a role okay. uh, within a larger 
calling to be human, as Ryan was saying. So I think if we realize that that this is Ryan's calling for what he needs to do in the in in sort of in ministry right now, but that doesn't mean he gives up all the he, he mm. doesn't have other callings on his life at the same time, right? You're still a brother, a friend. You know, you're still like all these other things. You're a pastor. You're a mentor. Like all these. You wanted to say things. husband, but then you. Oh. <laughs> well. That's fine. Well, uh, I mean, uh, there, uh, there are women cool in Austin. That, <laughs> you're real neat. A bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you're but, just all right. But the idea of it, like, but, uh, yeah, but there are going to be women in Austin. So, um, but um, this idea of just there are, we each have our thing going on um, that we need to realize that that's a calling. And, and you, so can't neglect, again, you can't neglect all the other ones for yeah. the one yeah. that gives you money. So then we pigeonholed yeah. the word calling. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we've made it this. Thing. And and here's the other thing people are thinking when they hear calling, mm-hmm. they automatically they automatically look at people who look like they're so sure. Yeah. They look yeah. like they're so sure because they hold positions in society that we've decided are those are the callings. So a professional athlete, even maybe even like a teacher, yeah. uh, a firefighter. I I feel that way even in the season of sitting down and having lots of one-on-one conversations and hearing people go that's just so great that you know exactly what you're supposed to do that I go so like I'm terrified yeah <laughs> just yeah. so you know yeah. like this isn't this isn't like 100% certainty that came down from heaven and I know exactly what I'm going to do right and I think LeBron would say the same thing yeah mm-hmm. and I think there's something about that just like Calling is a vocal sort of. It's a. It's it's, it's talking about to call, like meaning it's a. It's is it to, are you saying a, to to call into action to do something yeah. that so like, you can fulfill? Whether, whether it's actually a, a physical like vocal thing or not, but like what I was saying is, if there's if the thing is to call, mm-hmm. that means there is a response needed. Yeah. Right. And and I think that's the risk that we're talking about. That you are not. It's not that you're certain that this is happening. You felt called, and you're responding to the call, which is gonna which is inherently risky. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's, yeah. you know, there's, there's stories all the time of people who are responded to calls without knowing what's going to happen right. and they have to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah, I mean, there's that, I mean, yeah, the, there's, yeah you, you are, you need to respond to something yeah. and, and that's, that's what I think mostly what calling is about. I think a perfect example of like multiple callings, um, and like people that seem sure and things like that is Kanye. So you have Kanye who's mm. become like this huge uh, hip hop artists, and uh, so you would say like the average person would look at him and go like, he's he's made it in what he's been called to do. Like like you'd say, there's nothing else that you need to pursue, man. Right. Like like you are at the top of your game in what you're being called to do, and yet you'll find him with such angst and such frustration. Um, a couple of years ago over this him wanting to break into the fashion world and people not giving him a chance and things like that. And so a lot of, you, you know, you would look at that and you'd be like, why are you so frustrated? Dude, like, just do music. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Uh, but what I think, so a perfect example there is that he is feeling yet another calling yeah. to pursue something else that he is being denied because he has been pigeonholed into, no, this is your calling. And they are not mm-hmm. letting him expand into a second calling that he feels compelled mm-hmm. to pursue. Dang, that's that's so yeah. good because yeah. that is our yeah. need to put everything yeah. into a box. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and we have to yes. we have to compartmentalize yeah. everything in it. I need to know where you stand right. in relation to so, me and to the rest of the So society. here's my question then. How much ah. of this fear of calling has to do with um other people being able to identify you well, to, that, I, to that extent. Like, I, so it's like, I'm, so you're going to 
plant church, how much of the risk is like, are people just going to see me as a church planter or a pastor? Like how much of your identity, is, uh, the fear of the risk is wrapped up in the external sort of view of this? Yeah. So I think the, the big question is, well, what if we fail? Right. right. So like, what if, what if I get down there and um, it, five years from now, it, it's me and my brother still, <laughs> you know, yeah, like in, yeah. which in, is, in what, our car, but which like, is even, ha- what is, out, what whatever. is, what, what if you fail? What is, what does that look like? What's the yeah, picture what is actually, of yeah. I failed? What is failing? And does so, that mean, you know? And so you see what happens here is, is the world has different ways of defining success. Right. Right. And naturally that's, that's on my mind. Right. Yeah. And, and, um, in the church world, we, we talk about life change a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Is, it, is it changing lives? Is it saving souls? Whatever whatever terms you, you want to use, which I, I don't like most of them. And have Whatever. That's a, that's a different podcast. Um, we'll have you back then. <laughs> <laughs> um, but these are the narratives that I've been hearing forever. And so now that it's my turn, it's really hard for me to just go, oh, yeah, I'm not affected by... Like, right. like how much life change is coming out of, of my church. Of course I am. And of course the reason I want to go down there is, is to, to find um, th- those people that are asking questions and who um, grew up going to church in Texas and then got really bitter about it all because right. they weren't allowed to ask questions. And so I've ran away to Austin and now are, are 23 wondering what it means to, to live life and be human, of course, I want to find as many of those people as I can and sit down with them and have conversations and do that. And that makes me come alive, right? That, that makes me, that I feel like I'm following my calling when I do that. So there's a, it seems like there's another element there though, that is, I want to test myself. I want I yeah. want to, to your point, Keith, because back earlier we were talking and Kyle's point and what Ryan's saying is how much is that wrapped up in identity? Right. Um, and how the fear of what will people say about me right. if I fail or if I succeed, it's both. It's, it's boils down to an identity issue in yeah. that way. Right. Very Henry Nowen esque. Yeah. And so you go, well, I think it's good that we want to go and not only go do that thing that you want to go do with all these young people and old people, whoever age group or whatever to bring life change. But there's also an element that I think if we don't want to test ourselves, if we don't want to see what we're made of, if we don't want to see what, then there's no point because we right. all got to figure out what we're made of. That's why we have yeah. the airplane. That's why it's yeah. because someone goes, Hey, we can do this. We can do this. Let's right. see if we can do this. Right, and you right. go, well, that seems self-serving. You're like, you know what? You have pseudo humility anyway. You're not even, you're not, hum- you, right. you have mm-hmm. to be able to go, Hey, yo, I think I'm good at this. I want to go see if I'm good at this. Why is that wrong? Yeah. There's also, I think there is a little bit of that. There's a little bit of reaction from other people of this this arrogance that people are afraid of like when you tell them this is what i'm gonna go yeah. do they're like well that's that's arrogant or that's egotistical yeah. and you're like no like that wasn't why why right. is that arrogant? so so my and brother think, one day right, was exactly. walking uh, through this like really beautiful neighborhood in long beach our whole family and he goes dude i want a house like that and someone in my family goes what oh you think you get it he goes i didn't say i wanted someone to give it to me Right. I want to go work for it. I want to put. I want to put. Yeah. Why can't I dream? Right. Why can't I have that yeah. dream? Like, why can't? Why can't I put it? Yeah. You know what? I may never live there, but at the end of the day, we have all these people that are just dream killers. Yeah. And also, like the moment, the moment you say you want to do something great, this, and I don't mean in society's terms, 
meaning being a millionaire mm-hmm. or being famous. It's just you want to go do something. You want to pursue a cause. You want right. to pursue something, something this substantial. Is, this is like the this yeah. is the um, the dance mom syndrome. Yes. Or the the soccer dad syndrome. Like you were afraid to pursue your own yeah. passion, mm-hmm. and now you're taking it out on other people. Yeah. So you're <laughs> gonna end up paying for rehab yeah. for the coke yeah. problem yeah. that you created so, in your yeah. child who's thir- I, 13 wearing nothing on stage, and you're going. Sorry, I'm a little passionate. Um, but you go, come on, like, why do we feel the need to? And because, too, we're threatened by people who go and stick their neck out. Yeah. We're threatened by people who want to take a risk because you're going, I want to be like you. I want to take a risk. I want to not only do music. I want to start one of the dopest shoe lines. Easy. Right? Mm-hmm. Is... And so they do. They go, we need you to just be an artist. Right. Leave the fashion game alone. He's like, I'm more than just, that's why. And then you go, oh, dude, that's a great example. You. No, you're just a producer. <laughs> you're just a producer. And he goes, no, I can rap. Right. You're just a producer. Yeah. You just make beats, Kanye. He goes, nah, I can rap. So now he get, and then he's like, right? And he has a song called like Facts right now. He's like, I just did the numbers. Like, <laughs> I'm better. And everyone's like, oh, you're so arrogant. And he goes, that's the truth. And so right. you speak even truth into who you are. You say you did something good or and we're not saying put an honor roll sticker on the back of your car. But at the end of the day, we can't like even talk about the things that we are good at or the things that we're good. Because if you do, you're arrogant. You're full of yourself. You're like, why can't God, man, when God like created, if right. it, whether you believe in God or not, God went created, yeah. good, created, yeah. good, created. Then he made humans very good. And so right. why can't we... Why can't we go, dang, that was a really good song. Did you hear that? So no, you got to make it and sit there and wait for everyone to validate you. And that's insane when it comes to our calling. Yeah, and I think part part of the calling I think we need to realize, and this was something I had to, to, to work through, is we need to be able to do it and not, and again, like we've been talking about, not care what other people say. You don't do it for that, right? Because if you're doing it for the external validation that's where people realize the satisfaction. That's where it's empty, right? Yeah. So, so you want feedback, right. but your the the motivation right. behind it can't be will and yeah. we use Ryan like what's everyone going to think about yeah, me? Right. I'm I'm leaving this one life stage and I'm headed into this other season of my life, mm-hmm. and I also like there ha- and that's just human to actually have those right. thoughts. I would say though, on the flip side, because we all know people who <laughs> think. That we every time we talk to them, every week we talk to them, there's a new calling on their life. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So I think there is a value, and this goes back to Kyle, what you were saying. There's a value on putting in the time, mm-hmm. um, and so th- there's a value to like struggle. There's a value to so it's it's I, I like so the, the analogy that kind of came to my mind is like, and Travis, you're probably going to be going through this relatively soon. It's like when a, a, a little baby is trying to walk, the the parent doesn't hold that baby's hands and walk with them, they have to sort of step kind of across the room and call them to them, mm. right? So the pain, the risk, the fear in yeah. in calling is, I know that th- this is going to hurt. I know that There'll this be is some painful. Stumbling and, some, and this some is a threshold. Stumbling, yeah. But this is a threshold yeah. I have to cross because if I don't, I'm never going to be different. I'm never going to grow. I'm never going to be on the other side. Right. There's pain to it. And I can't tell you how many times I've had ideas of things I wanted to do. Uh-huh. And I've gotten to maybe that threshold where it's like, all right, right. now like, and I've gone, 
no, I'm not really going to do yeah. that. Like, but yeah. and like and and yeah. then and to be honest, then it's kind of embarrassing, right? Because like it's embarrassing because of the people that I've talked to that I'm going right. to do, <laughs> and so then and then when you get the question like, whatever happened with that, and you have to come up with like, yeah, it just didn't work out. Yeah, right time. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's funny because again, going like no one laughs at the baby when they fall, mm-hmm. like. But we're yeah. constantly afraid that people are going to laugh yeah. us, laugh at us when we fall. And you calling. you cheer on the one step and then the right. fall. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like you know you celebrate. So I think there is that fear. The fear is, I, and what Ryan, what you're doing is a very public thing, right? right. Um, meaning not just you're sharing it with a lot of people, but like you're going, moving out, and all that. So if it doesn't work, the, the, we're going to know about walk it. Walk and shake. <laughs> <coming> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, there is, but this idea of, but this idea of that. We can't worry about that. I think the other thing is that we think of calling and vocation as outcomes based, mm-hmm. rather, mm-hmm. And, and that's that's, that's the wrong way to think of vocation and calling. Like your 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 calling isn't an outcome, right? Right. The the purpose of life isn't to have an outcome, isn't to produce like yeah. a, a a definable like I've done this yeah. in a box. Therefore, I am right. Mm-hmm. It's like no, I am in the process. I am in the the of work becoming. of becoming of of call, yeah. of being. I think that's the other thing. It's like I'm not. It's not being called past tense or, or, you know, in that sense, it's calling. It's a continuous mm-hmm. sense. Like yeah, I am always, yeah. I always have a calling on yeah. my life. Not right. like, I, I think, have been called or I was called or. I think that achievement, what you're talking about, lines up with what we were talking about as far as like satisfaction right. from a calling is that we treat, uh, we treat finding a calling like, like getting married where you're like, great, now that I found this calling, yeah. like I am completely satisfied and I will never be left wanting. And this is just gonna be awesome forever, every day. Well, yeah, you kind of it's the it's the final destination. Right. My this calling is my final destination. You go, well, no, because it can't be. It like LeBron can't play in the NBA forever. So there has to so professional athletes are oh, great to look yeah, at. This is a great example. Even musicians, yeah. but you go. Oh, he was called to be in the NBA? Yeah, maybe. Like, he chose that. And, and so this goes right, back to what right. I'm saying is... And, like, it, while he loves the NBA, there's no way that LeBron never has thoughts of, like, oh, that'd be kind of cool to go do well, this. Totally. But the, to that point, <coughs> most of LeBron's life is going to be outside of the NBA. Mm-hmm. Yes. If you look at how long he lives, mm-hmm. right? Most of what he's going to do in his life is going to be not in the NBA. At least right. not on the court. But you know that he's... Well, right. That's what I mean. But, but like, still, not on the court. Yeah. But yes. he still has the thoughts, too, of... I love the NBA so much, and obviously I'm going to keep playing. Right, There's but a life so, after. but yeah, but right. more than this. But also, that looks kind of cool well, too. But hasn't like, he started like producing films and stuff? Like, hasn't he started on he that side? He has his hands in a lot of different. But things, but I'm saying like there's some things that pe- that they, and we see. Yeah, it's like when it's like when Peyton bought all those Papa Johns. <laughs> yes, and we're sitting there just like, what what are you doing? And, and then, then you realize, like, well, he's a human. Yeah. You know, like, he, he but thinks we, about football all the time. And then they, and then they legalize point. marijuana, and he's like, oh. Uh, yeah, we got you, man. We that's, got you, that's a good point, though, because what we do in that moment, we go, dude, you're an NFL quarterback? Papa John's? Yeah. You know, you kind of go, yeah. you look like you, you look like you're about to deliver the pizza. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you go, He looks like Papa. Yeah. Like, 80 yards. I'm giving him a Super Bowl win. That's what I'm saying. What did you say? He said, you're about to deliver the pizza. I said, 80 yards for a Super Bowl win. <laughs> we have some Bronco fans in the podcast. Yeah, yeah, so, so I think that right there, we keep, there's so many, yeah. there's so many like facets to this conversation of like where it's going mm-hmm. and how we think of it and how we view it in our own lives, but in everybody else's. Yeah. And it's this constant comparison. Like I'm not doing, me and Ryan were talking about this the other day is, is with, with, with a buddy is we wake up half the time and go, what am I 
doing? Right. And and we look at other people and we go, man, they have it figured out. Yeah. And then Ryan made a good point. He goes, you know, there's people that look at us and think they have it figured out, like yeah. in these meetings yep. you're having with people. And it reminded me of one of my favorite Wes Anderson films, Rushmore, mm. where you have Max Fisher, who's this like 15, 16 year old kid who's going to a private school who got in because he wrote a hit play, one act play. And then you have Bill Murray playing this very wealthy, self-made millionaire, billionaire, right. whatever he is. His kids are going, he's going through all this crazy stuff with his family. And he looks at Max, the 15-year-old who's in school and goes, what's the secret, Max? And the irony there is so beautiful because you go, no, he should be asking you because right. you're the millionaire. Right. And I think we are constantly looking at everybody else to validate am right. I doing what I'm saying. And so a big part of why I'm very passionate about this is because, um, and it's not a shot at anybody, but I don't think anybody was helping me discover who I am. And I think out of who you are is how you figure out what or what things or what the things are or and someone pulling that out of you and also giving you the right, mm-hmm. giving you the right. So Mayweather's uh, great uh, example is, his family told him, you're the best ever. Now, he had the talent and the skill. He had, the, he had all the things that obviously we can see he was able to capitalize on. However, if he had a family that said like, oh, you think you're going to be a boxer? Right. And shut him down. So you do need people in your life to push you and go, I yep. see that in you. This is what I see. This is a good thing. Whatever yeah. it is, whether you are a, a, a nurse or uh, you lay brick, whatever that is, and then you go, Hey, go, yes, go and do, and then I'm going to try and set you up as best as possible to make sure, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be a catalyst for you right. to send you off there. So for Keith is, yo, I'm gonna give you books, man. I'm gonna help you, I'm gonna know you are going to, because right. look, at, look at, man, this is a good thing. So right. do you also then in turn need people to help you be self-aware? Absolutely. And yeah. so that like, when, if you're thinking mm. right now like about that goal, like for example, um, when I was writing about this the other day, I wrote that when I was in elementary school, you know what my goal was? To play on the Lakers. <laughs> and so... I've seen you hold a basketball. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so now at 27, if I decided like, you know what? I'm going to re-spark that goal. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. hey, somebody would need to come alongside. You couldn't even make the sparks with that spark. <laughs> yeah. oh. Somebody would need to come Ooh. alongside me and go, hey, man, that's not your goal. Yeah. <laughs> like... Like, but you're yeah. self-aware, and you go, "That was cute, man. I was five, right? Yeah. And and at fifteen, I wasn't five. Yeah, <laughs> how old were you? I'll have you, you know. 25. I'll you're have 20. you guys know. I hope it was younger. That <laughs> in uh, up until eighth grade, I was in the starting five on two different basketball. teams. Up until the eighth and grade, everybody was in the starting <laughs> five on two basketball. Teams. I also went to a private school <laughs> because there's an A team, B team, a C team. Yeah. We can't a play team. if you don't play, man. <laughs> That's right. I'm just saying. <laughs> but, but if at 15 you haven't recognized that, especially if you're not competing at a high level at Nike camps, mm-hmm. you ain't, you're not going to be on any team. You're going to be on the Timberwolves. Right. You know? So you go, yes, you have to. And this goes back to realizing what it is yeah. you are and what it is you yeah. are not. Mm-hmm. It's not just about like if you can, if you can think of it, imagine it, you can become that. And right. That is yeah. garbage. Yeah. yeah. That's not but, true. But the truth, also the truth is, for Kyle, for you, it's like you needed to be able to want to be on the Lakers. You sure. needed that exploration of yourself 
at a younger age. Like at a certain point, yeah, someone's going to well, yeah. tell you that yeah, that's not, a not happening. Well, we right. This, right. I, right. It's not a problem. Right. I, I exactly. in- but the self-awareness is important. Like, but you need to be able to discover that self-awareness as well. See, what is it, Uncle Buck? It's like, I don't, I don't want to know a four-year-old who's not a dreamer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah because you, you right. do. And then, and then you but, help But them. that speaks to, Travis, to your point is like, and this is sort of to, to all of our listeners out there. Like if you see someone and they're good at something, like tell them they're Firm. good at it. Like, mm. yeah. You don't know what they're not hearing about that. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's the idea of like, don't only, because there is this, and there's even self-awareness, like do it in this like loving manner. But but this idea is that we all need to be on a journey. We all realize that we're all being called in different directions That's or great. being calling. So 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 you're, so this is what, this is what I was trying to say earlier. And I totally blanked when Ryan was saying this is identifiable giftedness mm-hmm. that you can just see plain as day. Right. It, good for you, man. That's cool. But there's the majority of people, right. we can't see from the outside how right. good of an artist yeah. they are or yeah. what a great public speaker they are. Yeah. Or you, you, like this, man, you're a kindergarten teacher. How do you see that? Yeah. How do you see that in somebody until you start to really dig down into mm-hmm. who they are? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because here, here's, here's what I know about Kyle is Kyle is always creating, I don't even know if you know this, creating opportunities to teach people what you just learned. Mm. That's a teacher, yo. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, he just learned something about himself. Yeah. He went, what? I go, you're always setting up conversations to share with others what you yeah. just learned. Yeah. And so if no one sees that in you or tells you, and so, yeah, you can go into a, a lot of different arenas in this world to mm-hmm. teach something, but you need to be teaching. Right. Like, right. There, that's the kind of, and so, like, my brother is an artist. He knew, and we both took art classes, and, and in my family, there's a lot of artists. There's just a lot of um, creative minds. My brother was far more, I think, artistic in, I guess, in, in a very tangible way than I would be. And so he was this incredible painter, and he can draw just lights out. My cousin's the same way. And he gets, in, he gets into college, and he's, I'm an artist. And then he goes, he takes one photography class, another form of art. He is a professional photographer right now. Right. And so we saw that in him, but we also saw another level of passion in him. Mm-hmm. And it was no mistake that he could pursue this. And then in college, it probably would have tested him. Right. But these identifiable gifts. And so these kids go into college and they're expecting college to help them figure out what they want to do. Right. And then they're all of a sudden four years and they're like, what internship are you thinking? Like, I didn't I thought someone was gonna knock on my door. Right. And now yeah. they are on their couch and they wanna go travel the world for free or they wanna go over here because they don't want, because that looks fun. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you're going like, hey, that sucks. Nobody helped you identify because right. your gift wasn't identifiable. Like LeBron, we know at 16 was playing in camps against Michael Jordan, and he was kind of he was able to hang with them, and right. he's going bucket for bucket, and everyone goes, "It's obvious he's going right. to the NBA." Right. But this guy over here, it's not so obvious right. if you can't, you know, if you're not a great boxer, you're not uh, your voice. Like you know, like my wife has an incredible voice. You can be a singer. Right. I don't. What was my thing? I didn't know it was. <clears throat> right. And I think very that's hard to identify. The me. other thing with this idea of calling is we can't play the comparison game. Exactly. Like you can't compare. Mm-hmm. Because we're all in our late 20s, early 30s, and we've all had a different journey, and we're all in different places in our careers, respectively. And it's like you can't compare each other, right? We, we can't. And then people who know us can't compare themselves to us. We've all had different journeys, and, and that, Travis, what you're talking about, like you, just because you haven't figured it out exactly sort of what you're good at and what your talent is at 25, mm-hmm. and you know your friend 
who's been working consistently since 17. Like that doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, here's a, a great example. I think of like non occupational calling too. right. My wife, Taylor has, she's always told me, I feel very called to be a mother. Right. Like yeah. I feel very called to be a mother. Yeah. And so yeah. it's one of those where it's not like that she is saying like that yeah. this is this big like career aspiration or things like that. What she is saying is that I feel as though if I am not in a like a motherly role, like if I don't if I am not a mother to children, right. that I feel like I will have missed out on something yeah. that I feel like I was like destined to do. And just awesome. as a quick aside, like can we stop shaming people for those sorts of callings? Yeah. Right. Like can we stop yeah. shaming people for doing non-traditional Right, callings like, like that's that's terrible. Let's wh- just stop with that. That's what that, yeah, that that is what she brings up when we talk about like career. Like right, like, what like mm-hmm. her and I had the conversation, and it was I can like remember like some like the first times we were talking about this, where uh, we were talking about like what do you want to do? Like right. what, what is it you want to do? Like for me, it's like I decided I want to go to teaching. She will tell anybody that asked her that like I just really want to be a mom. I love it, right? And I feel like my calling is like to raise really great children. Yeah. Right. And and then and so that's why like so she works uh, she works at the church in like I like more administration capacity right now. And she said I think I will always just do roles like that to where it's not this like man you went to school to pursue this right. like big yeah. career. She yeah. said, but that's a voice from outside right. that it right. shames right. that role. Right. So she's saying right. I, she said I have no problem always just <coughs> having like a job right. part time. Uh, to yeah. help yes. provide yes. to help provide for the family exactly. so that I can follow my calling, which is to be a mother. So hold on. So uh, let me let me. I, so I could I could brag about Tay is it's interesting. And so I'm a I'm a high school pastor at the church we're talking about. And so we work with teenagers. And Taylor gives up her free time to mother yeah. a bunch of teenagers and invest in them. And you can see the. The I would argue all women have a motherly instinct. Right. I there's nothing wrong. I think it's great. I think I don't have a motherly instinct. I have a fatherly one, right. and I look at just I look at the way my wife loves our son. It's I'm like wow, you're better. Like, but it's not even better. It's just different. But they they have this special power, and I just go, right. dude, women are insane. Right. And so right now, until until um, Kyle becomes a daddy, yeah. um, is. That's, is by the way, that is the creepiest way to say. I that. know. I, I <laughs> chose to say it creepy, Keith. <laughs> Daddy Kyle. Um, yeah, I'll is, keep everybody updated. Is, that's what his name tag says. We wear name tags on. Um, is she is mothering? Mm-hmm. Like she is doing right. that, and she's doing yeah. it very well. And so <clears throat> that kind of that idea. And it, speaking of, you reminded me of a friend who was explained to me there's this societal pressure right. to be this yeah. CEO woman, this career right. woman. Awesome. If that is who you're, how you're wired as you a woman, do yeah. yo, do mm-hmm. it. Because mm-hmm. I've seen incredible yeah. um, uh, uh, women fulfill those roles and they crush it better than any man would do. You know, So you kind of yeah. go, yeah, I'm mocking that whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And is, is um, she goes, I, I was buying into that pressure to yeah. fit into this box right. because that's what's happening today. So now what we do is we swing the pendulum over here and right. it's wrong if you want to be a stay-at-home mom, which I go, oh my, do you want the hardest job on earth? Yeah, be right. a stay-at-home mom because that is 
24-7 attention unless you're a terrible mm-hmm. mother who just neglects your child. And so you go, oh, I can do this and have mm-hmm. a, a job or even, hey, how about this? Like, Because um, I also know, I, I can see even take probably doing her own business from home if she wants to be stay at home or, or work in, in the work field and kind of go back right. and forth. You're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's plenty of women, especially in our age, that are creating their own careers in right. their household, blogging or DIY, all whatever, or starting yeah. something online. And they're also going, hey, I'm smarter than you. I make money and watch my kid. Yeah. Right. And how rad is that? That's yeah. incredible and, to the point. And thinking also with both of these, like this idea of multiple callings, non-occupational and specific, like how they impact your the other callings in your life, right? Mm-hmm. So Ryan and I were hanging out the other night and, and I was telling him that like since I found out that my wife was pregnant, and I don't know why it seems, especially since it was a daughter, but just it, that's part of it, especially since it's, we're having, I'm having a daughter. This idea that I've felt this drive and desire to do things that I've always wanted to do, but I've just never done it. And I think part of it is what we've been talking about. Like I was telling him, I think part of it is because I know there's going to be less time to do it. And I don't want to lose that part of myself that I've always sort of, it's always been there. I've just never pursued it. But I realize like with a daughter and family, like I'm not going to have the time to dedicate it only to that as I do now. And so, but I don't want to lose that part of me, right. Of writing, communicating stuff like that. So it's like, yeah, that's a part of me that I don't want to lose. And so I, there's this fire in me. The second I learned I was gonna be, that I was a father, that changed yeah. the way I look at my other occupation, my other callings. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just, it's completely changed, shifted how I'm, I'm viewing it. And so I now know that I need to do more than just the thing that I've been doing for the last few years. I need to add something to it, even as I'm adding a person to my family. Yeah. I need to add something to my to my calling, mm-hmm. because that's if I don't, I'm I am losing an essential part of myself if I just forget it and I leave it off to the side. And I've been neglecting it for so long. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I think it, it to to you know the point is like Taylor's always gonna wants to be a mom that doesn't take anything away. And when she's a mom, it's gonna change how she relates to her job, right? Mm-hmm. To her admin, whatever whatever she's doing. Sure. So. I, I mean, I think that's a, an important part to remember that these are not, you don't keep them in separate boxes. They're not distinct from each other. Mm-hmm. Totally. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. It's good. And uh, so Ryan's not afraid anymore. I'm, I'm going to go, guys. I'm going to do this. <laughs> All right. But I, I Texas, would say Texas forever. <laughs> Texas forever. I would Longhorns, say, baby. yeah, Longhorns, Hickam Horn. Hey, I want to be the chaplain of the Texas Longhorns football team. Um, so if anyone listening has a connection, please let me know. Immediately about that. Are they, are they in Austin? Yeah, they're they are. Austin. UT Austin is the Longhorns. They're right there. Okay. But I think. I should pin you for a football You asked. Guy. That's what I'm letting you know. I said okay. <laughs> Keith jumped in real quick. Yeah. yeah. I think that question was yes. directed to me. You just got called out, man. Well, too late. That's good. There's so there's a lot here. There's a lot here, and um, if you're still listening at, at this point and you're going, what are what are the takeaways? I, I think really what we're saying is um, don't be afraid to, to try things, right? Don't be afraid to step out and, and take risks and just go. And if you fail, then whatever, try, try something else. Um, do it. And I think there's a, a second there of the craft, right, of when you start to, to figure out what your craft is. Um, Gladwell talks about the 10,000-hour rule, right. right? It just yeah. takes time and reps and practice and um there aren't a whole lot of Mozarts, right? Most yeah. of us have to have to put in the hours. Um, and so you practice, you practice, you practice. Um, and then I would say there's an intersection between um, what, what your craft is, what you're good at, 
And then uh, on the other end, I would say just what makes you come alive? Mm-hmm. What do you get to the end of the day and go, that was good. Like I, I feel yeah. like I'm, I'm a human today. Um, and there's so something so to be said. I feel like I have to give like a, a closing conclusion. I'm sorry. But there's something to be said about following the life and chasing the life, chasing the things that, that make you come alive. Um, because I, I, I'm convinced that that's why we're on this earth. Um, that, that we're here to experience a, an abundant and full life. And um, it's about being brave enough to do that, whether that's being a stay-at-home mom, a CEO, a writer, podcaster, an artist, a basketball player, a teacher, a doctor, a lawyer, a whatever. Um, and so life's too short to, to not do that. So I, I think that's what I, I want to say. Follow the life. <laughs> you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. That uh, to us people that can feel things, it it uh, it hurts.